Start again, start again, begin. You're listening to Caterpillar Goo, Tales of Transformation. I'm Rod Hayden. And I'm Flora. Hi, Flora. Hey, honey. This time on Caterpillar Goo, we're trying something different. We have a piece of short fiction performed by Anne McQuarrie. A short fiction written by who? By Rod Hayden. This is Anne McQuarrie reading, And the River Turned Opaquely. Enjoy. It's a Madalena shifted her weight to the right, her entire left leg, from her buttock all the way down into her calf, was dead. Well, not dead. She imagined dead doesn't hurt. Sitting on the ground was not something people her age were meant to do. got up now, she would shamble and stagger, but if she waited much longer, she'd have to ask him for help to make it upright at all. <sighs> Dating was not something people her age were meant to do either. Let's walk down to the bridge, she said, stealing a sideways glance at Franklin's face. He was staring across the river, not quite smiling. His thoughts were far from here, she supposed. He turned then, and his eyes snapped into focus on hers. Now he grinned, and she blushed. She couldn't say why. He looked so different just then. Not younger, really, just something. She couldn't name it. Perfect, he said, holding her gaze a moment before she looked away. The water was quick. Its red-brown surface was opaque and stippled with rushing debris. He rolled awkwardly to his hands and knees, grunting. He paused there, staring intently down at the space between his thumbs. It'll take me a second, he said simply. I'm not the man I used to be. <laughs> he gave a short laugh. She thought she heard something else. A fart, maybe? She wondered if she imagined it. I suppose I never really was the man I used to be, he laughed again and lumbered up to one knee, then onto his feet. he had farted, he made no signs that he was aware of it. Madalena wondered if she should roll as he had done. She wasn't at all certain she could get herself up and keep her skirt down, gracefully, modestly. She tried to remember how she got down there in the first place. Maybe she could reverse the process. She wished she had suggested a different spot for a first date. She loved to read here, in the sun. 
before the divorce. Nothing felt like hers anymore. She had wanted it to be hers again. May I give you a hand, lovely? He asked. He set his feet at shoulder width and bent his knees as if preparing to lift a great weight. She wondered if she should be offended at the implication. He reached out to her. Lovely, she thought, and took his hand. She rose almost effortlessly. Oh, oh, she breathed and blushed again. You're stronger than you look. He chuckled and she caught herself. No, I mean, not that you... Yeah, I guess I do all right once I get a solid foundation under me. And you're light as a feather. You make me feel quite strapping, actually. His large brown eyes held her as firmly as his grip. His bald head shone wetly. She suddenly felt the humidity herself in a flush of heat. She brushed the back of her skirt. It was damp. She hoped it wasn't muddy. The flooding of the week before had receded, but the riverbank was still saturated. It was foolish of her to bring him here, to sit in the grass in a bright yellow dress like she was 20. She could hear his breath. His face was still bright with that nameless something. It seemed like she had seen that face before, that she recognized him from somewhere. He released her hand and turned toward the bridge. He bent his arm and she threaded hers into it. It was comfortable. Their feet moved in easy synchronicity as they strolled slowly along the bank. I'm sorry, she said, touching his elbow with the fingers of her free hand, for bringing you here. I should have suggested a coffee shop or something. I haven't really done this in a while, you know. Regret nothing, he said. He has, she thought, a reader's sense of language. It's beautiful here. He breathed in. She felt his chest expand. It smells like a fresh start. <sighs> Everything's been scoured clean. He turned his head toward her. Was there much devastation in the flood? Some, she said, but the bridge held. They were almost underneath it now. There was no traffic passing above. 
The bank was slick as it descended to the water. They stopped on the last patch of grass before the mud looking down. The water hurried, thick and rough. At the edge, waterlogged branches and unrecognizable detritus snagged in a tangle. Look, he said, and slipped free of her arm. There's something there. He took a few steps forward, moving slowly, planting his feet deliberately on the treacherous surface, step by step. <laughs> what an odd shape it is. He crept forward, each step intentional, setting his foundation, she thought. She stayed where she was. It's a stone, he said at last, stopping and turning back to her. A headstone, I think. Let's take a closer look. He held out his hand to her, but she was too far to reach him. Emulating his technique, she stepped slowly, slowly setting her feet, glad of her sensible shoes. At last, their fingers touched. They gazed down at the stone. It was chipped and rough like slate and half buried in the mud. She wondered from where it had washed up. He gripped her hand then, firmly. She didn't pull away. Our baby, Hope, lost before she lived, loved fiercely and forever. June 3rd, 1973. He squeezed her hand, shifted it from his right hand to his left, and squeezed it again. He slipped his freed arm around her waist and held her like that. She pressed her thigh against his and felt his warmth through the damp fabric of her skirt. He was solid, rooted to the ground. He didn't move. He stood like that for a long time, saying nothing.
That was And the River Turned Opaquely, performed by Anne McQuarrie. I loved it. It was awesome. I love the way she read it and also the way you integrated the music and the way you did the editing. It was really great. Oh, thank you. I really loved the way she performed it, too. It, I've, I wrote it. I've read it a bunch of times. I listened to it a bunch in editing, and it still kind of chokes me up in some places where she, she really nailed it. She did. There was a lot of feelings. Thank you so much, Anne. Thank you, Anne. So how did you meet Anne? In 2007, I started writing a, my, I started writing a blog about my parenting experiences. And I started reading a lot of other parenting blogs. And I commented on one of those blogs. And Anne, who was also writing a parenting blog, saw that comment and read my blog and commented there. And then I, come, I read her blog and commented there. And then we became internet friends. <laughs> awesome. And how did you learn that she does um, voice acting? Eventually, she and I became Facebook friends. And I think somewhere on there, she mentioned that she did stage acting. So when I thought about doing short fiction instead of an interview, she came to mind as somebody that would be good at reading it. And she was. Perfect choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her... I always saw her and her blog as kind of a glimpse into the future because her son is about six or seven years older than my son. So as she wrote about her experiences, to me, it was reassuring to see somebody else writing about their parenting and thinking deeply about it, being open and vulnerable about it. And uh, it meant a lot to me to, to read her blog as I was thinking so deeply about my own parenting. All right, enough about parenting. Let's talk about dating. <laughs> dating after divorce, especially as an old man. How was it for you? <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, that's what inspired the story, what it was like to get back into dating after uh, after a divorce later in life. It was, um, what, 22 years later? Yeah, I was married for 20 years. Um, I got together with my ex-wife when I was 20 years old. So I had no idea how to do dating even 20 years ago. And then to come into the modern world where it's all electronic and it was all very intimidating. I was very nervous about it. So I took it very seriously, treated it like a job. I'd never been alone. So I just saw finding the next person as my, my, my job. And I worked hard at it. And how did it work out? It did not work out very well at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm. I don't think I got a second date. I think it was all a series of first dates. What? How did you get me? Did you change by that time? <laughs> I did change. I started looking at it as something fun to do instead of each date as potentially the the one I just started to look at it as something fun to do and you know um, that's uh, exactly how I took dating I went into dating after 17 years of being with the same person uh, and so after my divorce I was more I would say present I was more connected to the universe synchronicities and things like that I approached dating as let me just enjoy the moment. Let me connect with a human being just as person to person, not really where is this going to go? Are we going to fall in love? Am I, I wasn't looking for 
the next love. Just be in the moment. And I think because of that approach, I don't really have any terrible dating stories like a lot of people do. Or maybe I just got lucky. I don't know. <laughs> well, I got lucky because as soon as I started thinking of it as something fun to do and not a job, I got a message from an amazing woman who told me how funny I was. And <laughs> was it me, honey? <laughs> <laughs> I think when we first met, you were giving me mixed messages. I think you were playing hard to get. You didn't message me for a couple of days, and then we met. You didn't walk me to my car afterwards. I was like, does he like me? Does he just want to be friends? Because we were going on some cool dates, but it was like unusual, like jogging, playing that football game that I can't remember the name of. So it was like a lot of friendship stuff, which to me was fun. Yeah, it was fun. I think that's why I was giving you mixed messages as I had stopped thinking so hard about what it was I was trying to do and was just enjoying it and wasn't trying to be intentional about what signals am I sending or anything. So, you know. <laughs> so the lesson is it's never too late to date. There is no such thing as you're too old to do this or too old to do that. Just stay open, be in the moment and have fun. What do you think about the future for our, our characters, Franklin and Madalena. I think it's a cute start. I like them as a couple. I hope it lasts for a very long time. If not, just enjoy the journey while it lasts. Me too. I think they could, they could be together, or maybe they could not be together, and I think both of them will be just fine either way. Yes, I agree. Thanks for listening to Caterpillar Goo, Tales of Transformation. Thank you so much, Anne McQuarrie, for reading that. That was such an amazing performance. I was blown away. Me too. Great job, Anne. And if anyone out there listening would like to work together on a story, something you've written, or if you're interested in performing a story, drop me a line. I'm at rod at rodhayden.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Okay. Now we're recording. <laughs> what? What are you laughing at? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> uh, since you wanted to know what I'm laughing at, I have to take a picture. I'm testing microphones, okay. seeing which one I like better. Okay. Are we starting? We're starting. Okay.